So page 530 in the Pew Bible, and it's Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light into my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemies will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Here ends the reading. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious Father, we thank you that we know you, that you've known us from before even the creation of the world. Our minds struggle with that, but it is true. And we pray that you might lead us in your eternal ways because we are eternal people. In your grace, in your mercy, and keep me from error, we pray. Amen. Well, it happened. It finally happened. What's what's the date? How long have I been here? I, I left the sermon at the other church. It's finally happened. I knew it would happen one day, and now it's happened. And it's a wonderful opportunity to Cameron to come and to give us and to share with us. Psalm 13, enliven my, enlighten my eyes. Psalm 13, uh, you might have noticed, goes quite quickly. It's quite short. It's a psalm of lament. It's, uh, if you like, it's sort of like the archetypal psalm of the lament. Does anyone even know what that word means? I don't think I can explain it. But it means like if you want to come up with an example of a lament, go to Psalm 13. It's pretty much will give you a very condensed, we have to be honest, version of it. But that's got all the elements. Four times David cries out, how long? Or how long, O Lord? I've been taught, you've been taught, Our society, maybe our church, maybe our parents have taught us uh, you don't complain to God. You don't say you don't get frustrated with him. You don't get even sort of what almost appears desperate or angry. That's not what we do. You don't do that. Uh, Psalm 13 actually corrects that. Uh, It's a bit odd. My culture has taught me not to do this. My church experience has taught me that it might be wrong. Uh, Scripture tells me in the frame of lament, which is what this is, that I probably and maybe we even need to do it together. I need to do it. You will need to do it. 
And maybe we could even do it together. Though I, actually, I confess to not have an idea how that totally is possible. But what is a psalm? A psalm is a song that is sung in a congregation, in a big congregation. Just remember that as we read and go through these things. How long, O oh Lord, is almost like a universal plea when you think God is there and something bad is happening. This is what you say. How long, O oh Lord? You might say that when, how long will it be before God, Jesus comes again? How long, O oh Lord? David, we don't know why David is saying this but he is being attacked from all sides. And here he has a desperate plea for help. He has his focus, his eyes of his faith firmly focused on his God and he is addressing his God, our God, because he knows that his God has his gaze firmly on him. So I want you to know this is a very personal prayer, but remember this is something that the congregation sings together, which might do your head in as we think about this. Firstly, the first two verses, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Suffering produces in people, lots of people, the idea of and the feeling of being abandoned or separated. They feel lost, alone, and that might be you. And if it's not you, it might be you one day. The psalm comes to us because it's a normal experience. It's not uncommon. And fortunately, the psalm reminds us it's actually not sinful. It's part of our human problem of being here. We can feel lost and God can feel remote. David cries out, how long O oh Lord, and God at this point in himself seems not to have answered. Notice that? Now, I don't know if you've ever had that sort of a struggle. I presume you probably have. It's quite real. Verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? His enemies are pressing him on every side. We don't exactly know the situation, but it can apply to in all situations for us. We may feel hurt, disappointment, despair, loss, hopelessness, sadness, we may be confused. The picture is not pretty, but it is real and it happens. 
it's a little bit dismal at this point. David's heart is full of sorrow. You can't escape that. And the Bible is a wonderful thing because whatever has happened in life, it's in there. That might be a problem for some. People think, uh, you know, they point at it and say how, Bible, how the Bible is so violent. I know why it's so violent at times, because it's telling the story of what we're like, what humanity is like. It doesn't exist in some sort of Disney world, and you know, we know that we're bad anyway, but uh, it's real. And so this is real. And for us and for the situation, it could be the, a loved one is gone and they will not return. A family member where the relationship has been severed. The injustice of a wrong decision or uh, situation. An abuse whose effects are ongoing, whose effects are ever-present. The pain of personal sickness, illness. The reality of the loss seems too great to bear. Sorrow is what we have. Mourning and grief is what we feel, and a bit of desperation and hopelessness is here in these prayers. David hasn't seemed to have had the answers he would wanted. Where is God? And this is a desperate plea, which is verses 3 to 4, our second point. Give light to my eyes. Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. The situation, as we said, is desperate. His situation has become life-threatening and it's threatening, he feels, to his relationship with his God and you might have felt that as well. David is saying that if you don't answer me, I might just die from this feeling of hopelessness. I need you to come to me. The threat is real and it's consuming him. He is in danger. You might say he's at rock bottom. And at the bottom, he cries, enlighten my eye. That's a wonderful phrase, isn't it? Enlighten my eyes. Now, again, this is poetry. And what do we do in poetry? We don't mean he wants to see better. He wants to see through this situation. He wants to see the God who he knows come to him in this situation. He wants his vision of God restored. God's power his presence, and his glory. And so David cries out. So the lament is meant to help us. And remember, it's a community thing, which is really quite interesting to think about. How do we as a community handle such horrible times? Think about all the times that Israel went through and how they were encouraged to handle those times. David longs for the God he has trusted in 
and followed. He's saying, please return to me. Give me light. Let my whole self be filled with the light and love of your presence. You may have wanted that. You may have prayed that. You might have been desperate enough to desire that with all your heart. That's David. It's a prayer that only a believer makes. If you don't believe, you don't say things like this. Isn't that interesting? I think, naturally, as I read, that I would ask and demand things of God a bit. That's what it sounds a bit like. We've got this relationship going on. It feels like that's wrong, that I wouldn't do that. But it's here. But it's only a prayer that comes from a believer because of the relationship you have. God has you. You know, you might want to be letting go, but he's always got you. But without that relationship, you don't pray like this. There's no point. In times of great trouble, we say, where are you, Lord? How long? Come to me. Relieve my suffering. We cry out because we have that relationship. David knows that it is the God who he has trusted, who has made that eternal covenant with him. Genesis 15, we've talked about it before. The fire pot, that's God himself going down through that animal, through the sacrifice. It's God and God alone who makes the promises to himself. 2 Samuel 7, when prophet Nathan comes to, uh, prophet Samuel comes to David and tells him, God will do this and you will ha always have a person on the throne forever. It's God's promise and God will do it. When Jesus comes. He comes and he himself is the sacrifice. He himself is the covenant maker. He himself is the covenant keeper. God alone will do it. And we rejoice in that because it's in God's hands that we can totally relax and trust. If it's up to David, we've read about David, he's all over the place. Some places we wouldn't dream of going. If you know your life, if you know my life, we're all over the place. God, in the person of Jesus, has kept the covenant for us. And he did that, that we might always be his. David knows that. He doesn't know how, but he knows his God. The Lord himself will keep his promises. And David cries out in that knowledge. He cries, help me, be with me, do not abandon me, enlighten my eyes. Let us see you. His prayer is answered. And so we find and we remember. Uh, Matthew 7, as we probably read, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It was true at the start of your journey and you probably heard that verse maybe at the start when you became a Christian, it wouldn't be unusual. It's true now. 
It will always be true because it's what God has promised. It's true, of true in times of great trouble and distress, which leads us to our third point, verses 5 to 6, my God has been good to me. David has a sanctuary. We have a sanctuary, a safe haven that means that when we fear, fear, fear fearful, we can find a place that we can feel safe in that fear. That loneliness and that despair is answered for us in the presence and purpose of our God. When we cry out, our God hears. The relationship which we are engaged in with here feeds back to us all the assurances and promises of that relationship. Our God has promised to always be with you, even to the end of the age, said our Lord Jesus. Those promises become real in these times. Our Saviour hears us. He renews and comes to our hearts and renews our spirits. He renews our souls. He renews our strength. Verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Our God reaches out to us in our despair. David felt defeated. Christ has won us and defeated all things. I assume six verses is a boiled-down version of what he went through. Uh, as we said, it didn't take too long, did it, Caleb, to read six verses. But what this experience, does, I have no idea how long you take to be in verses one to four, and that will be very. And I don't just see it as a, a finished capsule. You might you get down there and then go back and whatever. But what you're getting in these six verses is a way to process and to handle with your God your troubles, your despairs, your grief, your sorrow. And what it's meant to tell you is God can hear it. God loves you. He wants you to engage in that. Remember I was brought up and maybe you were too. Yeah, you don't pray like this. It's not the way you would, you know, don't tell God that sort of stuff. Don't complain. <laughs> Here it is. Christ lives and because he lives, we live in him. Our situation has been taken by our father by our Saviour who has brought us into the very throne room of the God who made the universe and put you there. The presence of God is in our lives by his spirit and he brings joy and comfort when we need it. There is great sorrow but in this psalm, as we have worked through it, as David has worked through it, he's mourned, he's wept, he's cried, and that may have gone on much longer, as we said, than we would ever want, 
Yet the power of God's transforming love is here in six verses. David sits and we sit securely in God's loving arms. I will sing, verse 6, I will sing the Lord's praise because he has been good to me. I think Psalm 13 is very amazing. And I think uh, the art of lament is one that we need to re-engage with as Western Christians where we don't really know what to do with this sort of troubles. But again, in an age of high anxiety, here is a template for you, for us, to process and to be with God in all situations. Let's pray. Gracious Father, uh, we, uh, we wonder at your word. It is truly amazing. Uh, we must say we didn't realise all these things were there. All of life is present in your word, and we praise you and give you thanks for that. Psalm 13 is amazing. And David's prayers and the congregations that this was written for, it does... Uh, we struggle to come to terms with that. We pray that you would help us to know that you love us. Help us to know that we can bring all things to you. Help us to practice lament. And we thank you that you are a God of honesty and truth. You know exactly what is happening to us, for us, and in us. You know all about us. We thank you for the honesty in this psalm and we pray, Lord, that we would joyfully come to you as your children, knowing that we have our Father who is with us in all things and a Saviour that is promised, that he will always be with us even to the end of the age. Lift up our hearts. Help us rejoice in the power of your Spirit and in your name we pray. Amen.